Ian Play with Pragmatic, made possible by Horton in Britain, a worldwide supplier of engine cooling systems and proud member of the community for more than four decades. HortonWW.com. Welcome to another edition of In Play. I'm Craig Maddock. Today's guest is one of only three high school basketball coaches with over 600 wins. He took two schools to the State B-Boys basketball tournament a total of 12 times. He's number three on the all-time boys wins list in 37 years of coaching. He's been a teacher, a coach, an administrator. In fact, his Class B team back in the late 70s still holds the Class B boys basketball record for consecutive wins with 64. He's the Armor Packer, former head coach, Bernal Glanzer. Bernal, welcome to M-Play. Nice talk to you, Craig. 2016 is when you retired. How is retirement treating you right now? Can't complain. We're healthy and, and doing things we enjoy, and and uh, I guess that's that's what we were working all these years to get to. You know, you grew up in Freeman, and uh, what was the family life like back there, the late '60s and the early '70s, while growing up there in Freeman? Well, my dad was a teacher. Uh, my mother also had a teaching degree, but then she stayed home to raise four boys and um <laughs> you know it was it was pretty ideal you know it's pretty ideal i mean for a kid um, we had a lot of sports things going i remember you know playing baseball probably baseball more than even basketball you know and some other sports we played that incessantly and and uh it was just a good you know it was just good what was the uh, the age difference between the four boys? Were they were they fairly close together? I think from the first, from my age to the youngest, you're going to make me look bad now. But I think <laughs> from my age to my youngest brother, I think it was ten years. Uh huh. Between the four of us. Yeah, there was no rough housing going on at all at the uh, Glanzer <laughs> house, was there, Brunel? No, not much. <laughs> so, were you successful as an athlete, whether it was baseball, basketball, or football at Freeman? Um, good question. Moderately, I guess. I was, you know, I was all conference basketball player. I, you know, I played on our Legion baseball teams, and but I, I think track was you know my best sport i placed in a, a lot of the track meets i think i got second to a, a, a kid from scotland in the mile when i was a senior and our medley placed second by tenths of a, a of a of a second so that was what uh that was my major sport i guess or the strongest one i like basketball the best but i was probably better at track you always had kind of the love for track because all those years you were the basketball coach at Armour, you were also the track coach. Was that pretty important for you to also be involved with track with boys and girls there at at Armour? It was. It was. I enjoyed it. And, and of course, you know, the athletes we had weren't just 
good basketball, football player. I mean, some of them were maybe even better in track and field. I mean, the Chief and Tollers, uh, there, there was hardly anybody that could run with them in the, in the state. And so right. We had good teams, and that always is fun. And, you know, I coached girls, too, and we had, you know, we won the girls' state track title three years in a row and got second the one before that. So, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. You graduated from Freeman in 1971, and right after that, you're at USD. What was uh, that intrigued you to go to Vermilion for college? Well, I went for two years. I was at um, Southern in in Springfield with Don Baker was the track coach. You know, he's a big name in track and field and coaching. So I, I ran cross country and track there. And then try to make this short as I can. My high school principal and basketball coach, Ron Bennett, came to me after my sophomore year. And he said, you know, there's, they're starting a government program for people that want to be teachers. And they're going to call it Teacher Corps. It's a, it's a, a new program, kind of a, an internship. And he says, there's five target schools in South Dakota. And we're looking for five kids to go to each of those schools and kind of be interns. And we have hired five experienced teachers that want to get their masters to be the head of each one of those schools. And, and so that's what happened. And you, you could, you know, go to these schools and you do like two years of internship and, and uh, but we had to go to drive to Vermilion every, every, uh, Tuesday, I believe it was, one, one day a week, we drove to Vermilion and, and sat in on the classes that we were taking. And the other two days, we had to, to take them just, you know, we got our assignments from the professor on the day we were there. And I'm not sure how well they liked it, but I'm sure they got compensated for it a little bit. Uh-huh. And uh, we'd come back, and then, of course, we were obligated to go to summer school all, all those years, too, to get, you know, to actually get the academics. What was your major then? I had math and, and a PE major, and then I had a science minor. So it was good. And, you know, the other, the other thing that was interesting, and I give my coach and principal credit for it, is, is that they don't want people to go to their hometowns because obviously you're going to be teaching classes with kids that you were in school with, uh-huh. you know, being only two years apart in some cases, he says, but I'm, I talked to them and I said, if, if he wants to come to Freeman, we, we will have him at Freeman. And so they got that changed. And so I got to live at home and all the stipends that, you know, they were giving us to have, food and lodging kind of, you know, went into my pocket. So it was, it was a good situation. I graduated with, you know, with no college debt and um, had a lot of experience. Uh, when Freeman won the state tournament that year with Keith Massey, you'll remember some of those years. I was, you know, I was helping Coach Ben, not helping, I guess, but I, you know, I was on the staff and doing whatever, I could, and that was a fun time and a learning experience too. Well, your uh, your younger brother Barry, he he was uh, at Freeman as well. Uh, he was at yep. that time. He attended Freeman. In fact, 
Again, Freeman, they made it to the state basketball tournament in 1976. That would have been the year after you graduated from college. I think Barry mm-hmm. was Barry must have been about a sophomore, right? Um, at, I at believe Freeman that's at that right, time. Yeah. And they finished third in basketball. What was that like, you uh, watching your, your younger brother go at it in basketball at Freeman? Well, it, it was it was enjoyable. It was fun. You, you know, he was he was a good player, and even as a sophomore, you could see that he was going to be outstanding. And so, just watching that was was uh, interesting and a, and a good time. So, one year later, though, nineteen seventy seven, a job opens up at Armor. What was available in Armor at that time? Well. I, our superintendent in armor, Dick Fuller, had gone to school with and was acquainted with Coach Bennett, who was the principal in armor. And, and I was looking for a job, and, and Coach Freeman said, you know, we'd love to have you here, but we don't, you know, there's no math openings, there's no coaching openings, you know, so it's not going to work out that well. So I started looking and had a couple job offers, but at, at school that I didn't think would be, I already knew I wanted a coach. I didn't think that would be that conducive to having a good sports career. I won't say the name of the schools, but they were very small. Uh-huh. And so that would have been an uphill climb. And I saw Armour was open. And so I went and interviewed there. And to be honest, knew nothing at all about the wealth of talent that was waiting oh, for boy. us. Oh, Re- boy. Really didn't. And, and, and Superintendent Fuller never said a word about that. You know, he didn't say, well, you should come here because we've got great talent. You know, his son was on the team and they were just looking for a coach. And it seemed like, you know, a a good thing to me. So you signed the contract and the rest is history. You had not been a head basketball coach. And here you are just, what, two years out of college you're the head basketball coach at Armour. You're teaching there. Did you think you knew what you were doing <laughs> at that time? Well, basically, I was doing what we did in high school and what you know what they had done at Freeman with with Coach Bennett. That's why I give him a lot of credit. You know, he was a fundamental, hard nosed coach. Um, stressed fundamentals all the time, and. You know, whatever he had done, I kind of tried to go with that. And then as I got more experience, built on my own a little bit. But I have to give him a lot of credit for for uh, some of the things that we did and, and his emphasis on the fundamentals of the game and how mm-hmm. important they were. And, and so I took that and ran with it. Boy, there was a lot going on that very first year, 1977, First year as a head basketball coach, and also your younger brother Barry decides to transfer to Armor from Freeman as a junior. Now, I've seen a ton of coaches who've had their son or their daughter on their basketball team, but I I do not know very many of coaches who have their brother on the team. What was that relationship like then? You, the coach, and Barry, the player. Well, I, I think it was a good relationship. I mean, there's background there that I think people should know. But, uh, you know, at that time, my mother had cancer, uh, colon cancer, and was not not good. And my dad 
bought a camper and they drove all over the country trying to find the miracle cure, you know, and of course it didn't exist. And so, uh, you know, it was not a good thing. And so we decided that it'd be better for, for uh, my brothers to come and, and live with me. And that's what happened. But as far as our relationship, it was, I mean, yeah, when somebody is as good as he was, you know, there was no arguing from anybody in the community that he was playing just because <laughs> he was my brother. So, right, you know, right. all that, all that smoothed itself out and he fit in with those kids anyway, because when he was still at Freeman, the, the armor teener team was, was a state champion. And then they went on and play and you know, I think they had to play the class A teams or something and they could pick up two players. And so they picked up two kids from Freeman that they knew of and Barry was one of them. And another kid was named Jeff Stuckey and they picked those two guys up. So he had played with those kids. So, you know, before he ever came to be in school in armor. So it was pretty seamless fit and um, it was just, just work. You talked about thinking about getting a job there at Armor. Did not know the kind of talent that was lining up to make it an unbelievable run in boys basketball at Armor. When did you get a good idea that, hey, there's some talent here and we can do some damage? Well, when I saw our, our first grade school game, I think, I mean, Dan Friedel, Denny Tiefenthaler were were eighth graders, uh, Jeff T. Fowler was a seventh grader and, you know, watching them play in the seventh and eighth grade games was pretty eye opening. And back in those times, they wouldn't let a school board decision, I think. And it got changed later, but they would not let eighth graders, you know, or grade school seventh or eighth graders come up to the high school team. I, I suppose it would have upset some upperclassmen. I don't know, but they're definitely those kids, even as seventh and eighth graders, would have would have played big roles on our first year team. Wow. I mean, they were just that good, and you know, we ended up the first year with even without them, we ended up up fifteen and four, which was uh, the town thought was pretty good. And after that, it was just you know they they became freshmen, and now they could play, and everything just meshed. So it's 1977, and the first time in 25 years, Armour qualifies for the State B Boys Basketball Tournament. So what kind of team did you have at Armour in 77 when you made it to the tournament for the first time in 25 years? Well, I, I, still, I still believe in my heart, you know, and that's probably what everybody says, but I still believe we had the best, the best team in, in the state. We got beat fairly handily by Webster and they just had a good night and we did not have a good night, but talent wise and whatever, maybe they outcoached us. I don't know, hmm. but uh, we were, we were good. I mean, we had Dave Fuller who went on to play at Wesleyan. We had Barry, we had all, you know, the Friedel, the Tiefenthalers, Bender, <laughs> Tom McFarland. Oh, man. We, we had it all. We just didn't perform in that, State championship game haunts me to this day, but that's the way it is. (laughs) Well, 1978, magical year for Armour Boys basketball. Of course, your brother Barry is is on the team, and you mentioned some of those other players. You go undefeated, 26-0. and 
What made that team click in 1978? Talent and unselfishness. And like you said, Armour hadn't been in, in, you know, in a tournament play or a contender, so to speak, for a long, long time. And I think the kids in the town were just hungry, especially the kids. They just, you know, they, they knew they had the talent and the, they knew that some other teams in Armour had had some talent but didn't have the cohesiveness or whatever it was. They could, you know, they couldn't get the job done. And these kids just said, well, you know, we're going to get it done. And back in those days, there wasn't that much that would, um, distract them from that you know i mean if they weren't in the gym playing then they were outside playing baseball or doing something else Mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of video games and and things like that to distract them i mean the only thing you could do is go to a movie and (laughs) so tv had three channels on it probably so you played sports armor versus elk point in the championship in 1978, what do you remember from that win, which, by the way, was the Armour's first state boys basketball title? Didn't play very well, to be honest. Didn't play up to our capability. Barry didn't shoot the ball very well. Um, one of our uh, seniors actually won the game for us and probably, uh, you know, I don't want to insult him, probably had the least talent of, of the, the starting five. Joe Morrow, and he he had a good game. He bailed us out. He had 17 points, and and when we we got it done, but it wasn't it wasn't real pretty. And but um, when you're in a state championship, the other the other team was good. Elk Point was good. Got to give them credit. They mm-hmm. had some shooters. A Zeller kid that was a very good player. A couple others whose names I don't recall, but um, it it was. Kind of a relief, I think, after you know, after '77, when we thought we should have done that, and then you, you, you remember in '78, the Freeman Classic was going, and so the big draw in the Freeman Classic in '78 was they put us against Webster again in that Freeman Classic, and you know, I just remember my kids before that game were just, I mean, they were just focused. I mean, they wanted to show that the year before might have been, you know, their own fault, but it might have been what they considered an upset. And I think we beat Webster by 39 or something like that in the Freeman Classic. So, but that's, you know, that's that's what it was like. And uh, I think they're just a focus by the kids and just a attitude where, okay, we're going to get this done no matter what. Burnell, I have uh, heard you say that excellence is the goal. You know, it's really tough to go undefeated no matter what class you're in. But was 1978, was that an excellent year in your mind? Yeah, there there was, like I said, there was times where I didn't think we played as well as we could have or should have. But, you know, things happen. Sometimes you need a little luck. But, yeah, I, uh, most most of the games – that I remember, you know, we played close to our capabilities. I mean, and we had a, we had a deep team too. You know, we had we had eight guys that could play, and we rotated them in, so we we're always fresh and we were quick. 
Uh, I think that was the biggest thing. We were fast. I mean, you had the teeth and towers running on the break in the side, and you had the ball handlers like right Allen Berry in the middle. And I mean, it was hard to keep up. If if you if you didn't make some shots to slow us down, and we got some steals, full court press, or got the rebound, it was it was tough to slow us down. But Webster did that. You know, they they made a lot of shots, so there wasn't that many off defensive rebounds for us to go. And, they didn't turn the ball over, so that that kind of slowed us down. And but for most of the year, '78 was close to excellent as yeah as we as we could probably play. Well, then it started kind of a little trend too, uh, Burnell. That uh, no matter where your team went, you uh, you filled up gyms. People wanted to come and watch the uh, the Armor Packers. You were filling up every gym you went to. 1979, of course, your brother Barry, he he graduated and he's off to college. What was that transition like without having your point guard? You didn't really miss a beat too much. Well, I mean, yeah, we lost a good point guard, but then we had one that, that uh, you know, Dan Friedel stepped right in there. And, you know, yep. he's, he's in Augustana's Hall of Fame. And, yep. He he led the NCC in steals one year and assists, and so I mean it wasn't like we were bereft of talent when Barry left. We <laughs> still had the point guard that could get the job done. We still had the Chiefs on the wing, and Bender was still there, and McFarland underneath. I mean, we still had some horses. You uh, go undefeated that year again. Were were there any games that you almost got beat that year, nineteen seventy nine? Yep. We uh, traveled to Rapid City to a classic that Larry Luchin set up with Custer, and um, there was a Native American school there that was really good. Had a really good player, Austin Knife or something. The Pine Ridge, was. maybe? Pine Ridge, maybe? No, it wasn't Pine Ridge. Okay. They had us down at halftime, and Austin Richards, his name, the kid's name was. He was like a 6'6" silky smooth player and yeah they had us down at halftime but we kind of came out of that and then the next night was Custer and and uh, we led them throughout the game but they made a run at the end and actually actually I think Doug Herman might have had a shot at the buzzer but it was a long shot 30 some foot or something like that 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 would have ended the streak but it didn't go and so we survived and then of course the classic game with Beersford in the state championship, you know, yep. we certainly could have lost that. We were down four points of whatever, 27 seconds left to go. and Goes overtime. You know, and when we got it to overtime, Bender hit that last shot to tie it, and we got to overtime, and then they didn't score in overtime, and we ended up winning. But that certainly could have done it, too. I think there was about 11,000 people at that game in Rapid there City. Was, there was, that year that, that was interesting you know it, people were sitting on the floor around the arena i mean you don't get that anymore with the three classes but you know it is what it is that was the big b at that time was the event in sports what did you tell your team when you played in front of all these people like i mean the fire marshal had to be there almost for every game because there were so many people there. What did you tell your team about playing in front of a huge crowd like that? I don't know. Really, most of those huge crowds were 
against us. They would, you know, boo us and, you know, I guess a lot of people like just to be for the underdog and that's fine. Mm -hmm. I think it just kind of drew us together a little bit. You know, we, we, we knew that if we didn't stick together and, and, um, it was like an us against all the rest of them mentality. And, um, that, that seemed to work somewhat and um, just, just play, you know, reach for our standard. Like you said before, we, we're not really looking at what the score is. We just want to make sure that when we do things, we do them like, like we practice, we do them as well as we can. And, and then if the score is wrong and we did the best we can, then some other team was better than us. But, um, most of the time, if we did what we were supposed to do and, and uh, went in with that kind of mentality, it would work out for us. Two undefeated seasons in a row, two state championships, and here comes 1980. Armour has won 64 games in a row, and during the season, the Freeman Classic at the Sioux Falls <laughs> Arena, 7,000 people packing that arena. It's Armour and Beersford again, a rematch of the state game from a year before. What was that atmosphere like with Beersford? Well, you know, by that point, everybody was everybody, and it will be for that too, but everybody, you know, was, you knew that everybody was going to play their best game against you because you, you had the target on your back. and. And, uh, you know, we had, we had lost some, some really good players by that time again. And, and we still had some, we still had some good players around, but you, you know, had Friedel, you had Friedel and Jeff Tiefenthaler, but you didn't have Dennis Tiefenthaler for that right. game. That's, that's exactly right. He had hurt, he had hurt his knee in the last, I think it was the last or second last football game of the year. And of course, again, back then. You know, orthopedic surgery wasn't what it is today. No, had, no. had it been, you know, had they had the technology then that they had now, he, uh, he would have been up and playing, I think, by the end of the year. But you know, this took him out the whole year, and you know, we we certainly missed him because he was a force. He was a scorer, but uh, that's how things go. Well, we know that Beersford wins the game. Brian Rick hitting a 20-footer, and the Watchdogs win it and end the streak. What were your emotions after that game? Well, you know, human nature, I guess. Disappointment, I guess. I didn't I didn't want it to end. I wanted to go forever, but, you know, also some realism in it that, um, you know, it's going to end sometime. It's not going to go on forever, and so... And he, and he hit the shot and we made, we made a crucial turnover. We had the ball there and I, I, I still remember this as plain as day, you know, but they did not have, um, the running time at the ends of the floor at that time. I believe it was just on the clock above. And one of our, we had something set up that we were going to go and attack at such and such a time or whatever. And one of our players looked up to see what the, you know, what the time was. And about that time, the kid with the ball passed it to him and it hit him in the chest because he wasn't ready for it and rolled away and Beersford picked it up. And so consequently they got, 
you know, they got the shot that they wanted and they hit it. So we're done. <laughs> by the way, that 64 game win streak by the armor Packers, it still holds today. Arlington, by the way, had the old record of 61 and that was back in the, uh, the thirties, uh, Burnell. By the way, you didn't have the three-point line either during that time. What do you think your Packers would have done back in 1978 and 79 if you had had the three-point line? Well, we had some players that certainly could have hit the three-point shot, but I'm not not sure, you know, how big it would have been featured in our offense. Our offense was, let's get in, let's make the extra pass, let's get some layups, but you know, we certainly would have utilized it for some of our players, I'm sure. But, you know, our, our big game was penetration. You know, we had the guards that could handle the ball and beat their man and penetrate. And then if if someone, if some other opponent's big guy came over to stop the penetration, then we, you know, we had the, the skills to make the pass. And so our big kids got a lot of easy shots down low, and that was our bread and butter. So I'm not, I'm not sure how big the three-point shot would have played in our attack. Again, I know we had some kids, Barry could have shot the three-pointer and a couple other kids, but I'm not sure it would have played that big a role on that team. Now, later mm-hmm. on in our other state championship team, you know, with, with Lenamore and some of those, we had, it was more of a point then because we had a couple kids that could do that, so... Well, Armour would uh, get back to the state championship game in 1983. You lost, though, to a really good Hamlin team, 45-40. And then 14 years later, Armour gets its third basketball title. It's 1997, and it's Armour against your alma mater, Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> what was, you're already smiling. What what takes you back to that, that game back in 97? Well, it was fun. I mean, you know... Knowing the people back there and, and you know, the whole background of it, uh, and you know, they had they had good good players for sure, and uh, I I had a distant relative, you know, on that team, so <laughs> it, it was interesting. I do remember that game. Uh, the Packers won it fifty five fifty four. What was special about about that team that you took to the state tournament? Well, I know I don't know. I mean, Austin Lenabor, you know, he was, you know, if we had to pick top five players that came out of armor, that would be hard. But he would have to be in one of them, and you know, and he even got better in college, I think. But you know, he was a major force, and yep. we had Nor kid that was really steady and good, and, and Chris Peters was really fast and. I I don't know. We just we just knew the year before, right? We had said, you know, we didn't do quite as well as we wanted to the year before, but we said, okay, next year we're going to hang a banner, and that that was our, you know, we we win state championships, we we put a banner up in the gym, and that was our that was our mindset that year. We're going to hang a banner. And during the year, we lost a couple games we shouldn't have to two Class A schools. Flat in Scotland, we didn't. I mean, that the Scotland game we lost was probably the worst basketball game I remember coaching. Whoa. I mean, we Whoa. could do nothing right, and I don't know. I don't know why, but we just could do nothing right. 
and we got beat by them and then flat beat us. But uh, came down to the tournaments, the kids were ready and put it together. But that Freeman game was a dogfight, that's for sure. We had played them in the Hanson Classic and, and beat them during the year. And so, you know, they came back with a vengeance in the state tournament. And I know they wanted another shot. And it was back and forth the whole way, low scoring and physical and tough. Well, if it's uh, one game that was uh, the absolute worst out of over 800 uh, games, that's still a pretty good percentage there, Bernal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, if people talk to me about those kinds of things. Well, what do you remember and, you know, about these games? And I said, well, you know, I remember the losses more than some of the wins. You know, there was fewer of them, but they, they stick out. They stick out in, in in my memory more than, than some of the wins do not, not the championships, of course, but, uh, some of the other ones, you know, I, I just did not like to lose and our kids did not like to lose. So you remember those. I'm trying to come up with the, uh, best phrase of, uh, the kind of coach Brunel Glanzer was, uh, demanding, uh, wanted excellence. How would you describe uh, your coaching style? Because certainly you were fairly active along the sideline. Well, I think I hope you hit the right words there. But I also think when you talk to you talk to my players that you know it wasn't an abusive situation. It was just demanding that they give us what they we knew they had in them. You know, and, and that was their thing too. You know, they weren't gonna be settling for anything less than their best. And if if they cut some corners or were a little lazy on defense or didn't do things the way we wanted them, then, you know, we made sure they knew about it. And uh, they accepted that. Now, some players nowadays might not, but they did. And you can talk to them all. I don't think any of them felt abused. So <laughs> it was just a good situation. And, uh, I'm glad I coached in those days and maybe not in these, but uh, it seems super- like now kids are more, I don't know, kids and parents are more uh, sensitive to that. You know, back in, in my early days, that was just accepted. That's what, you know, that's what coaching was. So, you know, whatever. You, you have to be who you are. I mean, I know even back then, John wouldn't, wouldn't agree with me. He sat on on the bench and and had his rolled up newspaper in his hand and didn't say hardly anything during the game. He said, "Yeah, do your coaching during practice," and that's true. But I couldn't I couldn't do that. I had a have an outlet for my emotions and for my competitiveness too, and so that's the way I was. And and again, blessing to the kids and the parents that they accepted that and knew it was nothing personal. It was just um, the way it was going to be, and so it worked out. You retired from coaching in 2012. You became superintendent of Armour in 2009. After retiring as the Armour's boys basketball coach, how easy was it for you just to sit and watch a boys basketball game? Not all that easy, but, <laughs> but, but you know, you, you do it because you want to, you don't, you don't want to criticize and you don't want to 
you know, make the, the new coach think that uh, he's not doing something right or that you would have done something different. And, you know, the new coach was one of my former players. He was a good player and played in the state tournament for me and is now the superintendent at Armour, Craig Holbeck. And, you know, he, he, he did well. And uh, so, it, but, you know, we'd, we'd sit in bleachers and watch. And, you know, if he wanted to talk about the game the next day, we certainly would do that. But, we weren't going to make any suggestions that were unsolicited. You go back to uh, before the year 2000. It was before the switch in seasons with uh, volleyball and girls basketball. Remember, uh, girls basketball used to be in the fall and and volleyball was in the winter before it switched in 2000. You refereed for several years. Uh, what kind of a basketball referee were you compared to a basketball coach that you were? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I will say I enjoyed that basketball refereeing as much as anything that I've done. I mean, I really did. I, I got got to go out and, you know, see other kids playing and, and the girls. And um, the other thing that was fun about that is, you know, I, I, I ran the Hanson Anderson basketball camps for, for many, many years. So a lot of the girls in the state came through there. And so then I could kind of ref some of those games and see how they were doing, you know, after having a, a, at least knowing them and having a little bit of a relationship with them at, at the basketball camp. So going to these games and refereeing was, was um, a good time. I enjoyed it. You know, you made a little bit of money and you, and you got some exercise and you got to do what you, you know, you got to be involved in what you like, which is sports. So I, I really was sad when, you know, the girls switched to the same time and I couldn't do that. So I missed that a lot. And how, how was I? I don't know. But, you know, back in those days, the coaches voted for, for, um, referees for the tournament i'm not sure how that actually goes now but i refereed in 15 straight girls basketball tournaments in a row so i must not have impressed too many coaches as being a bad bad referee. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it was it was fun well it would be interesting if you uh, worked with any of those officials and later they worked your games when you were on the sideline as the coach Happened all the time. I, I refereed with Malo. I refereed with Bob Cratwell. I refereed uh -huh. with a lot of, of people at the state, you know, even at the state tournament, girls' state tournament, and then come back and we're in the boys' state tournament and they're refereeing my game. So, yeah, <laughs> it happened a lot. You're in the South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame, Burnell. What does that mean to you? I, I take pride in it, I guess. But I also know that um, the vehicles that got me there are the kids that we had all these years. I mean, you're not going to be in there if you don't have good athletes and you don't have athletes that are willing to, you know, sacrifice for the good of the team and, and take the instruction that you're willing to give them. And that's what drove all that. So you're kind of you're kind of humble about it, and then you see the people that you're in there with, and then you get even more humble. But uh, it's it's, it's a good place to be. Two more for Brunel Glanzer. Brunel, you're number three all-time in wins and boys basketball in South Dakota. Meanwhile, 
I believe he was an assistant with you. Talking about Jim Bridge. He's uh, 37 years now at Hanson, and during this season, Jim's going to pass Don Seiler as the winningest girls basketball coach in South Dakota. What do you remember when Jim Bridge was your assistant? When did, when did that happen? He, Jim played for Wagner on the team that back before the three-class system, back in the two-class system, he played on the Wagner team that had only two losses all year. And both of them were to us, one during the regular season and one during the tournaments. So, you know, he knew of us and, and, um, and he got into teaching. And, and when he was in college, his practice teaching, he called and asked if he could possibly come to Armour to do his practice teaching. And we said, sure. So Jim came there and he wanted to help coach. So we said, of course, as many people as we can have, many eyes on on the product and suggestions you know i'll decide what we're going to do but i'll listen to all suggestions always do so he was part of it he still talks about the the first time or whatever we went in the halftime and uh you know we were talking about what had happened in the first half with the kids and what we needed to do better and whatever and i said jim what do you say you know what do you what do you see what do you think and he was kind of flabbergasted by that. He still talks about it. He says, I didn't know what to say. And here I was, just, you know, a student assistant. And here you were and had won some state tournaments or whatever. And you're asking me. So he, he liked that. And Jim and I have been close friends ever since. And I just talked to Jim last night for half an hour. You know, the Hanson Classic is playing. In fact, I'm watching it right now as, as I'm speaking to you. The Hanson Classic is on, and, and uh, yeah, I, I hope Jim gets it. He deserves it. He's been excellent for many, many years, and we did many years of basketball camp together, and just been a good relationship. Well, well over 1,200 wins between you guys. You uh, finished off with 617. He's going to be well over 620, 30. Who knows how much longer Jim is going to go after this year. Last one for you. Do you keep in touch with any former players, or is it the other way around where former players are keeping in touch with you? Both. Both. I, I have most of their numbers on my cell phone, and I I talked, I just talked to Dan last week. You know, Jeff and Dennis, when they come back to town to see their folks stop in, Brian Bender, Mother is my neighbor, so I see him quite a bit. Um, yeah, we do. We work, we work close. In Play with Craig Maddock is made possible by Horton in Britain, where smiling at work happens all the time. Apply now at hortonww.com. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. It helps us gain new listeners. This has been In Play with me, Craig Maddox. This is a production of South Dakota Public Broadcasting.